Do 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 do. Welcome back to Cop Monologuing. I'm Ryan Kunzer. I'm Errol Koenig. And uh, today we have a very special guest, um, or maybe Woo. a crossover, if you will. Ryan, you want to talk about it? So the person giggling you hear is none other than my friend Declan Murphy <laughs> of Supergroup Presents uh, fame. And he has deigned to join us in this crossover <laughs> spectacular where we're going to be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy, including the Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 1 uh, soundtrack album thing that was released along with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Declan, uh, if you want to introduce your podcast, talk about what you do and why we picked this movie. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, what up, guys? Uh, my name's Declan. Um, I'm an old friend of Ryan's. Uh, actually, if you're keeping score at home, this will be Ryan and my first official collab since, uh, what was it, Jekyll and Hyde? Yeah. Um, all those years ago. No, uh, but uh, yeah, I have, I'm one of three hosts of a podcast called Supergroup Presents, uh, where we talk about music. Um, we specifically go through the full discography of various artists that are meaningful us, to us in some way. Um, so this, we're also huge superhero nerds, kind of incidentally, um, and given uh, all of that, an amazing corporate synergy uh, <laughs> from our non-existent agents uh, that we have, um, we thought it would be great to talk about the uh, inarguably most musical of the Marvel movies and a rather fantastic soundtrack. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm excited, having been a fan of cop monologuing, to make an appearance uh yeah so uh, happy to be here happy to talk music and most of all happy that cross promotion is is what drives us as millennials (laughs) cross promotion one of the greatest things uh invented in the 21st century (laughs) so uh declan i think started off because ryan and i have talked about this movie at length in our sci-fi bracket just what are your thoughts about this movie uh and guardians as a whole yeah, okay. So I, um, as mentioned, big superhero nerd, uh, big MCU nerd. Um, this is definitely, this has always been in my top five of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a kind of rotating list that I try to update all the time, um, especially when I have downtime at work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I have a very distinct memory of seeing this when it came out uh, in IMAX with another good friend of Ryan and mine, uh, Laird Percival, shout out to wherever you are these days. Damn. Um, so, yeah, I know. Uh, been, a, been a couple years. But um, yeah, and I was just blown away. It was one of those things where, and I think by now it's almost like part of the myth of this movie, but like it that something that on paper was not a guaranteed hit at all. Um, and that became not only one of the most successful, well, one of the more successful Marvel movies, but... I think one of the most beloved. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of one that it always makes me feel better than when I watch it. I've watched it with my parents who are not super into it and they love it. Um, my mom only went to see Infinity War because she's like, oh, it's Chris Pratt. And I'm like, see, that's how this is working. <laughs> it's a good reason to go see a movie. Corporate synergy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a real... I, you know, one of the peaks of the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe. It's a real feel-good movie. It's a movie with a really defined aesthetic, which I love. 
um, which I, I hope mm-hmm. we'll get to talk about a little bit with the soundtrack being a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so unique, and I didn't feel like like I'd gotten anything like that um, in a really long time. So I love it. I try to revisit it as frequently as possible, although maybe controversial. I think Volume 2 is the better movie. Um, we, we could, if you want to, if you want to debate me on that, uh, I'm willing to step into the ring for that opinion. But uh, this is definitely the funnier one. I think Volume Two is a bit more uh, developed. But anyway, I'm already starting with a hot take. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know um, what? I think we should save <laughs> that hot take and your reasoning for it for uh, a hopeful part two of this podcast yes. series, uh, which. Hopefully we'll be over on your side of the podcast. Yeah, so not world. only are we cross-promoting, we're also foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. This is like Charles Dickens meets <laughs> Kevin Feige. I think uh, in business speak, this is called a teaser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. I'm learning new words, too. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's a vocab quiz at the end of this soon, episode. So watch out for that. Um, yeah. On iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and podbean supergroup is on podbean for some reason Good to know. <laughs> so just in case you're wondering someday we'll make it to spotify too but <laughs> once we get that sponsored content mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> do you have a dream sponsor not to immediately derail us but like a dream sponsor a i mean kevin feige well i think realistically <laughs> out of all the podcast sponsors I mean, Casper would be nice. I can use a good mattress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> blue apron. I'd you mm-hmm. know, fix up my diet real good. I would like that. Um, yeah. They used to advertise for Loot Crate on a couple podcasts I listened to. Oh, that's to. right. They did. But then wow. I think, Loot, that's the one. I want that I, one. <laughs> but then I think Loot Crate was like hemorrhaging money because like, it's like a ton of Funko Pops, more than you would know what to do with. Plus a T-shirt that you don't know what it is, and then I don't know if people were buying it. Yeah, I I, I'm a big fan of Funko Pops, but I, I didn't think a monthly subscription was the most efficient way for me. I think Errol could be the brand ambassador for Funko Pops. I mean, I don't know if I could be the brand ambassador, <laughs> but I did just get a, a Chase dart, like from Stranger Things this morning. <laughs> like, but also it was one oh. not to derail this derailing of this podcast. Uh, but I ordered just like a regular dart, the Demogorgon little dog thingy uh, from Stranger Things. I ordered just a regular one from Amazon, and it was five bucks because I love dart and Stranger Things. And guess what? It was Chase, and I was so nice. happy. All right, and back to Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> See, the good thing about this podcast is that if we get derailed and we go on tangents, we're just staying true to the name. Yes. Which... Yeah. As I noted, watching this is also something Ronan does. Uh, oh yes, he does very, very much so. Yes, he is quite yeah. the monologuer in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and gives uh, yeah gives Chris Pratt the chance to get his dance battle in at the very end. The last one to put on his dancing shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also the only real expedi- exposition dumps that you like have to like. It's a very breezy movie, but then they're like. Like, if you really care about, like, explaining why Ronan cares, you have to, like, understand there's an invisible genocide happening in the background yeah. that is only referenced in an angry monologue. So 
that's a little weird if you're which i don't know maybe when captain marvel comes out like they'll just replace that monologue with like just a highlight reel like kree (laughs) getting slaughtered Mm -hmm. but (laughs) who knows i'm excited for him to have more characterization than he does in this movie (laughs) yeah can only go up with lee pace Mm -hmm. um yeah cool um cool so yeah so this uh awesome mix volume one fantastic soundtrack um for a fantastic movie definitely um can i can i start off with a very pretentious thesis statement that i came up with today at work Ooh, i like it drop it yeah, okay so we talk a lot about music um on supergroup and i've kind of like gotten into more album listening which is not something i did when i was in high school but like that really sort of holistic way of looking at music um, and I came up with this metaphor because soundtrack listening is is almost an entirely different experience. It doesn't really have an independent existence. Like you could listen to these songs as though they were a playlist, but you would be fundamentally missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way I kind of thought about it is like when you're making an album, it's like building a house. Like it's a singular vision, like start to finish, like it's unified. Mm-hmm. And then making a soundtrack is like, decorating a house like you're kind of taking bits and pieces from like different you know like different sources Mm -hmm. and making something that hopefully works as a as a whole Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of soundtracks where they air is you kind of like they just try to pick good cool songs and it's the equivalent of having like like if you just picked all the top home goods items from amazon (laughs) and like tried to make that an apartment you'd be like the stuff in here is great, but it doesn't work together. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is an immaculately designed apartment. Mm-hmm. This is yes. like unified aesthetic, start to finish, like super well-crafted, plays to the strengths of the movie, like arguably the platonic ideal of what you want a soundtrack to be. Yeah. I think even right from the beginning, we have that scene of uh, Chris Pratt coming into this deserted planet and it's very dark and gloomy, and then he pulls out the Walkman, and the music starts, and you instantly get a sense of the character. You know what this movie is going to be uh, just in that one moment, and it's very well done, and it all hooks on that music choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really, yeah, amazing just thesis statement right up front of, like, what this is. Yeah, I mean, that's the moment that made me know that this movie was what I thought it was going to be. Like, I was an early adopter of Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew it was good, like, right at the first trailer when everyone was still saying this is going to be stupid and bad. I was like, I'm holding on hope. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And once, uh, you know, Come and Get Your Love came on uh, by Redbone, uh, it was just, like, just such a wonderfully crafted scene that told you exactly what this movie was. Mm -hmm. And just kind of just said okay i don't have to worry anymore this movie is going to be great and i'm going to be happy and i'm going to love it and i can now just enjoy yeah uh, so it was it was great yeah what uh what other moments kind of stood out to you guys of them using the music because there were a lot of points where they mm. used it in montages or kind of as uh scene setting moments any of the other ones stick out to you? Um, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, sorry, I'm going to dive in. Go ahead. Um, 
So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think the the to me what does it best is I love Moon Age Daydream when they're coming into nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a strong like. First of all, love Bowie. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm already sold right <laughs> from the jump. But it, like Bowie does have the whole like glam rock, like flirts with sci-fi uh, aesthetic is is fantastic and it just it helps build that world i think in a really amazing way like moon age daydream it like goes with nowhere in such a way that like i can't think of it separately now you know what i mean (laughs) like i feel like if i was reading a comic and i saw nowhere again i just it would conjure moon age daydream i think it's a perfect marriage of like oh this is like a way out there like punk rock kind of corner of the mm-hmm. of the galaxy and they picked an amazing bowie song to do it and i'm like i just freak out at that every time it's amazing <laughs> yeah i would uh take this moment to put in my hot take which is that moon age daydream is one of my lesser favorites on this album Ooh. it starts so strong straight to the like, heart uh, a good guitar riff and then as soon as the lyric starts it's just like in one ear and out that's the other. a nice spicy take ryan that's <laughs> all right yeah so we will Stirring um, the pot <laughs> yeah it's not, i think just i don't know for me throughout every pretty much every song fits where it's mm-hmm. supposed to go mm-hmm. like either if it's just setting up like the tone and the mood of a scene like moon age daydream or you know literally describing what is happening in the scene <laughs> just in the title you know, which, which happens multiple times. Yes, throughout the soundtrack, it's it just does it mm-hmm. really well uh, at every instance throughout the uh, throughout the movie and throughout the soundtrack. So, yeah, I really like in general the aesthetic of playing cheery '80s songs over like serious scenes that in any other movie would be like yeah. dark, low scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and it. You go ahead. Oh, I just I was also reminded me of the uh, the honest trailer for Suicide Squad where they mentioned that they kind of try to quote that the greatest movie of all time. Yes, the score Academy Award winning. Right, sorry, Squad. exactly. <laughs> Academy Award winning. That yes. should be our sponsor for this podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> but just the the idea that like. You know, it doesn't always is work. Like, why is Bohemian Rhapsody in the in the prison scene? Like, it, you know, you have to really earn it, and you have to pick deeper cuts than Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yes. Not that all of these are deep cuts, but they weren't like they weren't the number one song on Spotify. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and neither were the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, people, you know, <laughs> if Iron Man came out of nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy were, you know way beneath that too it came out of nowhere but with a k yeah (laughs) all right so i think let's get into uh i guess the the meat of the podcast kind of imitating the supergroup presents format Mm -hmm. and uh, talk about our favorites Mm -hmm. and then talk about our least favorites and then some honorable mentions i think that's how we're gonna do it um with just songs in this yeah yeah that's our (laughs) it's not stealing how we roll synergy (laughs) <laughs> i'm here so i will i will expressly grant permission okay, thank you. for the concept of 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 ranking things 
Which, of course, we own. Um, <laughs> Obviously. Uh, so, Declan, as our guest, please, what is your favorite song uh, on the soundtrack? Okay. And in this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I might have already <laughs> played my hand a little bit. It's Moon Age Daydream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, so in my notes here, a sort of a manic attempt to quantify things, I rated each song on sort of three dimensions, which are how I like it as music, how I like it as, uh, I use the word soundtrack, but kind of as a unified aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So musically, aesthetically, and then dramatically, like how it is in the action of the film. Um, and the only song to score a 10 in all three categories was Moon Age Daydream for me. Um, yeah, and I I have one that was very close, but, um, but the only straight tens was Moon Age Daydream, because as mentioned, you can't go wrong with David Bowie, and it just, it's so in the aesthetic world of this album, and it's so in the world of the movie that I just, yeah, it almost, it's so close that I, you kind of think it was written for this film. Like if you had just arrived here from a different planet, you, you might be mistaken. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would not argue against getting a movie like a, what's it called? I'm blanking. It just came out. The sequel just came out. Mamma Mia. Oh, okay. Like that, but for David oh, Bowie in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool in Guardians of the Galaxy because, as you pointed out, Declan, oh, yeah. the the aesthetics are amazingly similar. It would be fantastic. Yeah, they can make a Ziggy Stardust I'm, movie. I'm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely surprised they haven't tried to do a jukebox musical for Bowie because yeah. they've tr- they did one for Queen that is legitimately terrible. It's like all um, it's, it's yeah, I've, I've, I've seen the play. I've seen the play. Oh, you oh have, you have. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There's like, it's like dystopian, right? And like Killer Queen is like alarmingly literal. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. As a big Queen fan, that was that was really insulting to me. And I'm hoping Bohemian Rhapsody isn't also insulting to me. Doesn't look like it will be, but I, I'm nervous. Um, yeah. But yeah. I would, yeah, I would be first in line for a Ziggy Stardust movie. <laughs> That'd be great. Errol was your favorite. So there's two that are at the top of my list. And for me, having the song fit in the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, at least emotionally or just all that stuff is the most important thing. Uh, Songs like Moon Age Daydream, uh, I love. However, when thinking about the movie, I don't think it's necessarily one that pops in my head immediately, although it's an amazing song just to listen to when listening down the soundtrack. The two that I associate the most with the movie. Actually, I'll just pick one so I can save the other one uh, in case Ryan wants to pick it. I swear to God, if you pick mine. Uh, I might. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I... I... Oh, this is so hard. There's two of them, and I love them so much, and <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Ooh Child okay. by The Five Stair Steps. Yes. It's a great oh, song. Yeah. Um, I played drums back in high school and all growing up, and that song has just an um, just such a clean, awesome drum beat. Start the song and then throughout, great fills. So it's just a really fun song to listen to. On top of it being like at 
the heart of the most important scene of this movie. Oh yeah. So right. That's that's my pick. All right. I'm glad you picked that one because that was my very close second as well. Uh, but the the other song that is inextricably linked with this movie in my mind and that I like so much mostly because of this movie is Hooked on a Feeling because that was the song they used in the trailer and watching that trailer just blew me away because I had never seen something that used music in that way before and also it's like just totally my style of music and I love it yeah I mean not to sound too much like a hipster but that song has over time has kind of lost value in my heart just because like well now that's the song everyone associates with this movie i'm gonna be cool and pick a new song uh, but i don't know it's, I, I, I it's also, a good song but yeah i think it also highlights just another thing that I, um the like intergenerationality of these awesome mix volume one and definitely awesome mix volume two is that I feel like it's unearthing a lot of these fantastic songs. Like, obviously, this was the case for you, Ryan. Like, I hadn't heard, you and I guess both of us as well, like, I hadn't heard Hooked on a Feeling before the first trailer. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, oh, it's amazing. And it was one of those things, I I was listening to it a week after the trailer, just like on on Spotify, and my dad walks in. It's like, why are you listening to Blue Sweet? <laughs> um, and it's it was fantastic because, like, obviously that's not where he knew it from, but mm. for, like, a whole, you know, like, to, for younger generations and people maybe even younger than us who were yeah. watching these movies, like, you wouldn't necessarily, like, be seeking out these songs because they're not dated, but they are of their era. And I, like, I, I kind of really love the idea that, like, there's a very real possibility that a lot of people moon age daydream was maybe the first time they heard bowie like yeah is that, yeah. that maybe too uh, that might be too far because bowie's everywhere but like if you were 12 it could be yeah <laughs> um i don't know yeah it, that and then my dad like when the trailer for volume two came out and we had fox on the run my dad told like just turned to me and he said that was one of the first songs first records he ever had on vinyl mm-hmm. like, oh my god so i i love that these are not only such a strong aesthetic but um take songs that are not of our lifetime and like update them and make them new and fresh yeah. for people our age that's so incredible definitely so are we doing runners up next or these fades. I believe least uh, favorite is next. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Declan. But uh, yeah, we we have argued back and forth about this on our show, so it's better to do least faves because you get some nice arguing in the middle, and then you can resolve it for honorable mentions. <laughs> okay. What, what usually? Yeah, that's that's kind of what we've landed on. So. All right. So Declan, start us off. Okay, so I, I got to look at my numbers again because I have to. Um, so I have to, yeah, again, looking at sort of all three dimensions, what I have to put as the last least fave is I'm not in love. Um, hmm. Because yeah. I, I think it's interesting musically. Um, it, it is kind of like something that maybe independently I would like better, but I don't know that it contributed as much. Like, you know, it's it's a brief little glimpse at the beginning of the film right when peter's mom is dying yeah. um but being sort of overtly 
mopey doesn't work as well with the rest of the album mm-hmm. um, or, or the movie. And then even though I am a sucker for some truly mopey songs, uh, God, can we get some Smiths in volume three? <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just, even this bums me out. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's really what it boils down to is, is this is too sad boy for a, uh, an avowed musical sad boy. <laughs> I, mean, I will say it did set up that opening scene with uh, Quill and his mm-hmm. mom. I, I thought pretty well. And also it kind of with the airy synths kind of also hinted at like the sci-fi that's about to come. I thought it set up the movie okay, well. Yeah. Listening to it by itself, uh, it is a mopey song. And on top of that, it gets long and weird. It is six minutes long. It is a minute and a half longer oh, than boy. anything else on this album. Yeah, so right. I concur with you, Declan. This is also was going to be my my choice for least fave, but I'll pick another one now. All right, Ryan, do you have what is your other least favorite? Um, you know, if I can't do, I'm not in love. I'm going to have to go with Moon Age Daydream. Sorry, Declan uh, and Errol. Ooh, uh. you know, if, it, <laughs> it's just it's not mopey, but it's much more like chill than most of the other mo- or songs and mm. part of the reason i like this soundtrack is because it can be very upbeat it has like high energy and that definitely does not so okay yeah okay it's yeah that's a good song i not near at the bottom of my list uh clearly not the bottom of Deckman's list but mm-hmm. <laughs> the songs at the bottom of mine is i don't know if it's considered a hot take uh-huh. Um, but I have a couple of reasons. Uh, but I'm going to go with Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Really? Oh, Slightly offended. Okay. So I know it's a great song. It's a song that I've been listening to my entire life. It's not a song I associate with this movie. Uh-huh. It's just because all of that stuff. Also, this song is the first song on Awesome Mix Volume 2, uh, not Volume 1. Uh-huh. And for some reason, that annoys me a lot more than it should. <laughs> uh, that and also, it just, I don't know, it just, that's the one song that I feel like, it's like, okay, sure, whatever. It's You're picking the obvious choice. This is the popular choice. And also, fits and like the, the title of the song fits it too thematically. It just feels way too obvious uh, of a choice. Mm-hmm. Versus the rest of the songs were, you know, let's say uh, Escape, the Pina Colada song. That song you wouldn't think of to describe an escape scene, but it's called Escape. So it's perfect, even though it kind of isn't as obvious. Or another song, which even if it is right on the nose, such as uh, Fooled Around and Fell in Love, uh, that song is at least lesser known Mm -hmm. than the most Mm -hmm. famous song about mountains. As opposed to the other famous songs about mountains. Well, you know. I'm going to posit Toto by, or Africa by Toto is the other most famous song about mountains. America yeah. the Beautiful, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that could be a whole other episode. It's just mountain songs. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I definitely agree with you that it, because we're talking about like having maybe the, arguably the, biggest like name brand like hit on here 
kind of robs it of some of the magic of these being like b-sides or not you know even even the hits are more obscure hits whereas mm-hmm. i don't think anyone would have been hearing ain't no mountain high enough for the first time <laughs> yeah 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 that's true i definitely little on the nose yeah, yeah i mean th- my second place one was i want you back for similar reasons because one it's on right. volume two not on volume one whatever it might be on volume one they just never played it they never fully explained that part so i'll give it a pass on that they played it i remember it in the movie well they did play it yeah but they played it after he opened up volume two so it's not specified Uh, whether or not it was volume one or volume two ain't no mountain high enough Uh, definitely volume two uh which obsessed me a little bit whatever i'll get over it um but also i want you back (laughs) is uh even if you don't necessarily think about it right away it's a subtle nod for Groot because they want him to come back and that's him like mm-hmm. coming so whatever mm. I know I will give kind of a pass to A No Mountain High Enough being the, the obvious choice because this is something that like it's a mixtape his mother made for him and I can totally see her you know if she picked all of these other slightly more B-side songs uh I don't think it's unreasonable that she would have one of the more popular songs on there. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I don't now, know. I think Mama Quill was a real hipster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was so hipster she couldn't even date human beings. She had to date the first alien. Human boy. Like, one of the first canon aliens to come to Earth <laughs> from the MCU, and she's like, that, that is the man I will... To, to be fair, if Kurt Russell did come knocking on my door, I probably wouldn't say no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. We're talking Snake Plissken era. Like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and honorable mentions. Just shoot him out. Cherry Bomb. Uh, I think Cherry Bomb, yeah. yeah. And it was in such a good scene. I think that's the one they use when they're walking down the hallway. Yes. In their... That's the hallway scene yeah. right after they come up with a plan. Yeah. It's their big superhero yeah. moment, yeah. and they're all just, like, yawning or scratching their crotch or, like, tripping. Right after It's that. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Cherry. Oh, God. Cherry Bomb. So good. And so, like, yeah. they could... And I also feel like they could have gone more obvious and used that in the battle scene. But to have that, to license that, to be like, we got Joan Jett, we're like, all ramped up to go <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're like this is for the dumb thing before the thing yes i yeah it's an even bigger metatextual middle finger <laughs> yeah uh what else um errol did you have one come and get your love uh, i think we all oh yeah that was yes. my second that was the other yes. my other number one i forgot to mention that that was my number two just because <laughs> i it just it works so well in the moment in the movie and also it was just a great song and Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i forget i think freshman year of college during finals this is a song that i listened to as i was walking to it just to get me pumped I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was nice pump up song but uh, what else all these songs are great yeah this is a good album yeah, I, just to yeah. listen to yeah right yeah, it's so so thoughtfully arranged and just like mm-hmm. it's it's the kind of thing where like again you're like I I would hang out with Peter Quill's mom. She seems hella rad and she has such good taste. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. This was a very good album to go running to, with the exception of I'm not in love because it is way too long and slow for running. But uh... if you if you slightly resequence it, that could be your cool dad. That's true. Then you're Ooh. fine. <laughs> 
I might do that. That's that's all you need. <laughs> Just slightly alter. Do that Spotify thing where you make all the BPMs like 165, and then you can put I'm not in love normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say, watching this movie and like paying particular attention to the music, uh, it really made it stand out every time they didn't use one of these songs. Like when they're flying out of the uh, the prison, or uh, when Novacore is trying to stop the Ronin ship from coming down, they do like normal superhero songs, and it feels so weird yeah. and out of place. I am actually going to say the opposite. Really? Because I actually was going to do a whole bit where my pick for my favorite thing wasn't actually a song from the album. It was actually just the score that goes along uh, with the movie. Oh. Because I think even though it i think it just works so well because my favorite some of my favorite moments from the movie um like the moment at the end when they're all holding the infinity stone Mm -hmm. and that's just that's not a song it's score that's just swell of emotion and Mm -hmm. that's it it works when the the we are group moment that's score Mm -hmm. it's you know yeah all the moments that i cry during this movie are all (laughs) heavily uh you know impacted by the score uh, and i think for the yeah can I ask, because I, I genuinely don't know, who scored this film? I believe I had it open, but then I closed down Safari so my computer wouldn't crash. I believe it's Michael uh, Gian... I forget how to pronounce his last name, but he's awesome and done a lot of things. I'm pretty sure it was him. No, it was Tyler Bates. I'm wrong. Tyler Bates. Who okay. Guardians oh, yeah. Galaxy. It was Tyler Bates. I remember. It's him. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I. I I think it's interesting because, again, this is like, yeah, right. so far and away the most musical MCU movie. And it, I think I do think solidly scored, but it's the only one, the only other iconic thing of like music that I think of from the MCU is you kind of have the Avengers riff by, I believe, Alan Silvestri for the first mm-hmm. first Avengers. And then as someone someone pointed out, one of my other extremely nerdy friends is like, the every Thanos's theme from Infinity War is also an amazing piece of orchestral music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think using, in a lot of other cases, it sort of blends in, or they're not. I don't think I've defined like music as a core element, and I think it's awesome that this movie like so owns that and yeah. so brings that to the fore, and it, it yeah like does not waste a track. It is. Um, it is truly the baby driver of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> if they want to bring in Edgar Wright to direct Volume 3, uh, personal feelings aside, I'm not going to be yeah. that upset. I would not complain about that. Although, no. I, I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan and I had an episode where we talked about James Gunn uh, and his firing and... Uh, mm-hmm. I lost it, so uh, that's a lost episode for this podcast. <laughs> okay, and yeah, I didn't want to. My thoughts stir are anything up. Keep it brief. I'll try to keep it brief. A uh, brief, not brief. What's brief? Whatever. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't really want a Guardians three without James Gunn. Maybe Guardians three and ended there uh, with his script, but like, I just think that he's. Just, just so synonymous with the guardians that mm. it'd be weird to not have him. On yeah. Board. I mean, it's, you have to, 
even in talking about this album, it's like his thumbprint. Yeah. All over this, like, um, yeah, I, it's you know, I think the parallels with Baby Driver are uh, that I, I'm just, I was about to congratulate myself for a comparison I made. <laughs> I felt such, like, such an asshole. I was like, the comparisons are really apt. I'm like, no, wait, I, I said that. I can't do this. <laughs> the um, comparisons are like, really apt. <laughs> I, so Edgar Wright was actually on another podcast that I listened to, uh, speaking of synergy, talking about Baby Driver. Um, and you get the sense that, like, Baby Driver basically, like, it's just a playlist. Like, if you were hanging out with Edgar Wright driving a car, it's all the songs he would listen to. And then it happens to be a movie framed around that. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be an amazing movie framed around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, so defined his taste. And I think... I mean, clearly, this is this is James Gunn's musical thumbprint, like all over this, and it's it really works in a way that I don't think anyone else could have. Um, I mean, imagining that opening with any other song, uh, any other director is is you know not something you can do. Like love, love is <laughs> love the Russos, but <laughs> can't imagine them staging a musical. Oh sequence. no, they would butcher this series so badly <laughs> it's incredible because you know they got their start in comedies and they have like they have an eye for comedy but they don't like it's not it's not wacky in the same way mm-hmm. like just really it, it's amazing that you have so many comedic directors in the mcu because they are almost all you know by and large comedies right yeah, yeah. um but the humor of like thor ragnarok is the different different than the humor of ant-man is different from the humor of guardians of the galaxy yeah. like like when people say marvel movies are just like dumb and funny like i feel like you're really missing the point because they're dumb and funny in know, really they're... smart ways yeah yeah and and different ways like yeah. i just i love i mean i you know i was a fan of taika before this because he I watched Flight of the Concords a lot when I was in high school. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. That carried over into What We Do in the Shadows, which is one of the funniest movies of the 21st century. Um, and so seeing that very, like, meek New Zealand humor on, like, you know, two of the biggest heroes in the MCU is so gratifying. But it's mm-hmm. such a different experience than the way that Ant-Man is funny and the way that Guardians is funny. And even the moments that are funny in infinity war are funny in a different way. Yeah. Basically the Russos have wandered so so far from comedy. I can't (laughs) picture it the same way. I feel like if if they didn't have that basis, then even their serious MCU films would just be so overly like DC ified, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you could make Winter Soldier so not fun in, like, two changes. If you take out Natasha's, like, teasing from the opening of Winter Soldier, that Mm -hmm. that would just instantly tank the movie. Like, I just... Yeah. Yeah. Take that out, change the color palette, and basically it's just, like, a spy thriller. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I, I love that about the MCU is that they're not afraid to like incorporate humorous elements but i again i think i appreciate that it is more varied than its critics give it credit for mm-hmm. 
that is one of the things that this movie was particularly good at. I don't think there was a single yeah. serious moment that didn't also have a comedic bit to it. Yeah. Yeah, or if there was and a serious moment, it didn't undercut the drama. Yeah. I'm sorry. What did you no, say? I was saying if, if there was like a serious moment, it would lead into a comedic thing, or you know, each comedic thing yeah. ultimately, when it had to get serious, it yeah. would get serious. So. Yeah. And sometimes when you do that, it feels cheap. Like, but this this really doesn't like again a lesser director like if you try to sell the comedy with the drama it can come off as we you didn't want to commit to the drama but he never i mean this movie opens with peter quill's mom dying of cancer and you you know he's a character that is immensely defined by loss and fear and sort of listlessness but he's not afraid to like and you can have that and be an authentic person and also a goofball like it's amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i agree it's this movie balances that tone so well and it works and i love watching it and i don't know yeah. i just love this movie so much <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time there's a reason why it won our sci-fi yeah. bracket mm-hmm. uh, there's a reason why i cried on the plane when i was watching it this morning it's not important uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i admit i still teared up slightly during this movie as well uh i have lots Aww. of notes about this movie but none of them are particularly relevant uh and most of them are me complaining about poor spaceship design <laughs> oh that's such a that's very you i appreciate yeah, that. it, it very clear that Ronin wanted aesthetic over literally everything else. But it had yeah. the little twisty arms. Isn't Why? that cool? To make it faster. Because he went to Shanghai one time and he's like, ah, oh, that tower. <laughs> I would love it if that were a plot point in Captain Marvel that, like, for some reason, Ronin the Accuser is on Earth for like 10 minutes, sees that spinning tower in Shanghai, and it's like, yes, this will be my ship. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> I can't wait for that movie to come out. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, I like very not even kidding where like I would I'm excited for Ronan to have more backstory because you know, Lee Pace is seriously an incredible actor and uh, one of the you know, just the flicker of weakness in this movie is I don't think they developed Ronan in a as meaningful way as they could have um which is okay because it it, you know clearly wasn't the goal and like you can overcrowd a movie if you give him two scenes of just like mourning dead cree but um (laughs) it's the only thing that sort of doesn't ring true on on repeat viewings you're like okay he like i understand in an intellectual sense he's getting revenge but it doesn't connect on an emotional level Whereas I feel like you can very easily retcon this into something meaningful if you're like, if we see the Kree die, which, you know, we are going to, um, it instantly sort of fleshes the, out that character. Yeah. Also, Korath is back. What's what's with that? Why is that happening? Because <laughs> they can. <laughs> I love it's like the cameo that no one was either expecting or asking for. Mm-hmm. Like, when Red Skull showed up in Infinity War, I was still like, whoa, what? But, like, 
that was also tempered by the fact that people have been like, I bet, I bet Red School's coming back for like, for like six years yeah. now. But no one is like, when are we gonna see Korath the Hunter? Again? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Any uh, closing thoughts on this movie or this soundtrack? Um. I, I do want to, so if, if we don't mind, because we are I, in the spirit of cross-promotion, mm-hmm. I like to do a, a little a little tag where I'm going to ask you guys to answer point blank with no elaboration, because we will spend time elaborating on this. <laughs> Which is the better awesome mix, Volume 1 or Volume 2? I haven't listened to Volume 2 yet, uh, so I'm going to go with Volume 1. That's a good question. Solid answer. <laughs> and I Ryan, go with the gut. want to save my real answer for when we do the second part of this podcast because I need to listen to volume two again. Um, both of these albums, uh, no elaboration. All right, uh, wait, I can do it. Probably can't. Uh, I think the highs of two are better than the highs of one, but I'm going to go with... Overall one, I think, or not. If you're counting Ain't No Mountain High enough on two, then one. Yeah, that's that's a pick. Okay, I am also gonna pick two, and I will, I will have a thorough notes to defend that the next time we are, when we continue with our crossover. Yeah, I'm um, excited. <laughs> All right, I have, uh, I guess, a teaser for next for the part two. Ooh. I just pulled up the list. Uh, for volume two and i am absolutely on team volume one because there are i think three songs on volume one that i didn't like that like i read the title and i don't instantly start singing in my head i don't have any of those songs on volume two ah that's okay save save the vitriol bottle it bottle it use it (laughs) (laughs) i'm very excited though i am I stand <laughs> volume two very hard, so I uh, I won't <laughs> come claws out. Um, excellent, yeah. So, do you want to rate this album? Do you guys uh, just for a little fun numerical thing at the end? Sure. I don't uh, know. Are you pulling up the the Metacritic, Declan? Oh, I can do that. That's our that's another feature we do on our show. Um, I wonder if this will have a Metacritic score, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> Okay, yeah. Aaron, what are you going to Oh, okay. Um, I... Emotional attachments aside, I will give it an 8.5 to a 9. Somewhere in there. Right. I'm going to give it a solid 9. I am also going to have to go 8.5. Um a lot of those points are coming from I'm not in love. So. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't have a Metacritic score. I can tell you that all music, uh, the ever reputable all music, <laughs> gave it three stars out of five because apparently they are in the business of not having fun. Clearly. Um, yeah. Thanks. I do want to quick see if Pitchfork did it because I think Pitchfork would hate this <laughs> because it's just because it's popular. And why not? Um, awesome mix. Nope, they didn't. That's how. That's how not interested they were. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. 
So, uh, to wrap up this podcast, Declan, uh, where can we find your podcast again? Yeah, Supergroup Presents is uh, online a bunch of places. So you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on uh, iTunes. We are on the aforementioned Podbean. We have our own Wix website, um, which I need to... I don't know the URL of, but I think if you Google Supergroup Presents, will come up. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Supergroup Pod. Um, and we have a Gmail account that is Supergroup Presents at Gmail if you want to, like, really yell at us directly. Um, at them. Don't yell yeah. at us. <laughs> yeah, direct all the hate just at me. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I'm used to it. I mean, if you insist. Um, oh, we're also on Facebook. I didn't know that until just now. Uh, we're <laughs> at Supergroup Presents on Facebook. Um, so you could potentially get all of those and just be spammed by us every week or so. Um, <laughs> we'll put uh, most of those in the show notes as well, so listeners can just go ahead and find you right in their podcast app of choice. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, so listen to them. Uh, how often do you do an episode? We uh, are about... We try to do every week. Um, sometimes it's a little more like 10 days because uh, one of us is in grad school and a shifting schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but we about once a week you can hear us talk about uh, all kinds of musical nonsense. Um, if you, I encourage you to go back, find an artist you like, and go through our archives of that. That's probably the best way to do it. Um, we've covered Arctic Monk. No, not Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> uh, the Wombats, Florence and the Machine, uh and Cage Elephant is our current series. So, uh, yeah, check us out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and also that's where part two of this podcast will be. Yeah, so check that yes. out. Yeah, so keep your eyes peeled. This is a good time to subscribe now because when part two comes out, you will be the first to see it. So yes. that'll be on our feed. It's a true crossover. Nice. <laughs> so, Errol, where can you find all your Errol Koenig and Cop monologuing uh, whatever? Well, so you can find all of the stuff. Uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. That is this podcast, Cop Monologuing, Onset with Errol Koenig, and uh, Popcorn Confessionals. All three of those are available on all three of those sites, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We are also available on Facebook and Twitter and mm-hmm. uh, probably your mom's iPhone because she loves us, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So check that out awesome i think that's everything so bye bye